I'm Shannon. And I'm Sierra. And we've been best friends for the past eight years. Has this ever happened to you? Some well-intended individual inquires. How are you? But instead of being your sounding board, they end up just sounding board. Well, we're here to lend an ear as our guests unpack their hopes and fears. So come join us in a space where vulnerability is strength and humor is healing while we genuinely inquire, how are you feeling? And what's been storming your brain? 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 What has been storming your What's been storming your brain? Brainstorming the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Shannon. Hi, Sierra. Hey. Uh, how hey. great was it storming our guest's brain this week, dude? Oh my god, it was so fun. I thought. I was like so good to reconnect with her. Yeah. One of our classmates and our, our friends from Acting Conservatory, Sarah Ball. Sarah Ball. Yeah, <laughs> she she's now living in Seattle. And uh, it was really nice hearing how she's found a sense of directionality in her social justice work through arts leadership. Right. And we found, I thought we found so many parallels with her that we hadn't really discussed when we were sharing a dressing room when we did Hamlet together. That's like, right. That didn't come up. Yeah, that didn't really come up. So it was really rad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she, oh, she's also the board president of the Renton Civic Theater, which is a nonprofit organization in Renton, Washington. So for our listeners... If you're interested mm-hmm. in making a donation to support the theater uh, and ensure that they have a space to create art post-pandemic, you can visit rentoncivictheater.org. We'll put mm-hmm. a link to it, but um, that would be great. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, should we go ahead and get to Storm and Sarah's brain? We should. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for doing this with us. I know. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited and yeah. honored, and I feel so special. I'm gonna oh, sit on the floor. Yeah, it goes comfy. Yeah, get comfy. That's yeah. what feels right. You yeah. know, like oh, yeah, putting on my neutrals, like <laughs> grounding myself. <laughs> I'm just gonna have a lisp. That's fine. That. We love it. Come as you are, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, and I brought my Doritos. <gasps> Because Sierra mentioned it. I love Doritos. <laughs> I got so excited just now. I have some 3D Doritos in the cabinet. Oh my God. I you remember had them? those since I was like, they came in those, I would get the little like plastic one. Yep. They yep. look like little, well, because they were sort of like re-released them now. They're different and the flavors are different. It's vintage now. Yeah. <laughs> what are they? Just 3D. 3D Doritos. So okay. they're like, like a little pyramid. Mm-hmm. okay okay but the, the flavors they have now are like ch- chili cheese and spicy ranch we don't need to be fancy just no i'm like classic give us the Let's, classic I need the, just cool ranch doritos cool yeah ranch for yeah. sure and they used to have a 3d that was like jalapeno cheese which the jalapeno <laughs> the jalapeno cheese cheetos that they have taste closest to that okay but nothing will ever top the 3D Dorito 
jalapeno cheese one. Hello, jalapeno. Hello, jalapeno cheese. Hello, jalapeno. Jalapeno. Logged into Camden Zoom. Yeah, I know. We got a notification that was like Camden Ball has now joined, and I was like. That's not he, Sarah. He keeps using my fucking, it's my little surface thing. Mm-hmm. And then he logs me out of my Zoom and logs into his, but then I never remember. And then I keep joining things as him. I'm doing <laughs> this um, like online fundraising software course. Okay. And it's like, uh, it's this really important program that every nonprofit arts organization uses for like ticketing and fundraising. And I need to know how to use it because it's been a huge barrier in like my job hunting. And so they were offering when all this like uh, racism stuff started happening or when Mm -hmm. white people realized racism was still happening. Mm -hmm. um, They created this program that they were having. uh, It's their early career development and they're offering it for free for people of color. And so I got into it and then I started joining meetings and they were like, who's this white guy? Because I kept logging in as Camden. Oh my god. They weren't letting me in. They were like, who like how did this guy get these links? It's a long-winded roundabout to where we started, but yeah. So I need to log out of his. Um I've been actively working within the nonprofit theater sphere this whole time. Okay. But got to pay off those student loans and the mortgage and all that Mm -hmm. stuff so Camden wasn't working he was going to school and so we've been taking turns going to school and stuff so he just started working last year and now it's like well might as well like milk this for all it's worth I'm like making a lot of money and I'm about to pay off all my private student loans wow um and my car this month holy congrats dude that's incredible oh I feel so guilty because everyone's suffering so much in the pandemic and I'm like doing great (laughs) But like, but that's the thing though about this pandemic is that like, yes, nobody's doing great. I mean, no, no, but also that like everyone is going through it in their own way, but everyone is having different experiences. You you mentioned your own like financial guilt earlier today. You're like, I feel like even yeah, well, because so I went back to work literally like two days ago, um, but I'm still collecting partial unemployment fucking Um, milk it baby I mean yeah and I was telling I was like I feel guilty and yet there's no reason to because it's not like I'm 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 eligible and I'm eligible for a reason um you're not taking anything away from anybody like no and in fact like look I we can get into it but we have deserved so much more than we the fact that they have been debating whether to give us a fucking measly $1,400 is disgusting. I feel very strongly about this. It's just absolutely disgusting. The fact that there's a d- debate on whether or not to raise the minimum wage to 15. Are you fucking kidding me? If we, ha- if we were actually raising our minimum wage with cost of living, it would be exponentially higher. It should be regional depending on the cost of living in the area that you live in. Like when we were still using the GI Bill when Camden was in school, we would get a basic housing allowance that came with the tuition being paid for and everything. And they based how much you got on your zip code. Like mm. why shouldn't 
minimum wage be based on your fucking zip code that makes perfect sense yeah that makes perfect sense and then the the government understands how that works when they want to Mm -hmm. that's exactly it damn it the one time you want them come get your doritos i was snacking (laughs) (laughs) go away i'm recording a podcast with my friend hi camden (laughs) Camden. we were talking before we jumped on that you know, because each time we're like, okay, hey, how do we want to introduce our person? Mm-hmm. Huh. And, you know, we we have known you for eight years, but in the last, since the pandemic, isn't that fucking weird? Is that so the, weird? Well, and isn't this fall going to be like nine years? Yes. Yeah. We're going to have to update our intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In our description. Just do like a record scratch. Nine years. Yeah. <laughs> But we met you at like a very pivotal point in your life. You got married oh, right when we met right you. Right when we started. You started doing the long distance. Mil- is it military, military wife? wife? Is that the yeah, term yeah. that you would I, prefer? Dude, I look back at that and I just, I have no idea how I survived. Like, also, what the fuck was I thinking? I mean, it all worked out. I don't necessarily... I don't regret anything, but I also don't recommend people like get married at age 19 to someone Mm. they've been dating for four months, you know? Uh, And was part of the time pressure that he was being, that he was being. Yeah. He deployed the month after we got married. I remember I was saying, I remember in either, it was like either Liz's class or something like some, there was some like either bomb, something happened and you were waiting to hear from him to hear that he was okay. It was right when he deployed, uh, the first time he called me, I don't know if I should say like fob names. I'm Mm. not going to say names of any bases out there. Um, but it was the first call when he finally got there and could like get some internet and he was like super pumped to be out there, like doing the thing he signed up for. Like it was all a big adventure, very exciting. Uh, and all of a sudden I hear all these sirens start going off and he just goes, Oh, those are the bomb sirens. Gotta go. And just hung up. And I didn't hear from him for like five days. Oh my God. That's right. That's right. And so I was constantly like leaving class and checking my phone and distracted, constantly emotionally distracted. Oh God. It was so bad. And like love PCPA. Sure. Nobody was checking on me. Hmm. Everybody knew like this crazy thing I was going through and nobody was ever like, is she okay? Both faculty and classmates? Classmates, no. All of my classmates, you guys were all amazing, but yeah. faculty, nobody ever questioned. Wow. Like, nobody was ever checking in. That place was wild. Do you remember, Shannon, when a flight of mine got canceled and you and Ben and Gary drove to come get me in Santa Barbara. I absolutely do. Absolutely do. We went to a diner afterwards, but it was like, someone needs to, we need, someone needs to go pick her up. You were abandoned. (laughs) Yeah, I was because Danielle and Kurt had dropped me off on their way to LA. So they were gone the other direction and I had to get home. Oh, and no. who better to pick you up than Gary, Ben, and I? <laughs> <laughs> Old Shan uh, even got up at four in the morning to take me to the Santa Maria airport the following day when I got on another flight. Wow. Wow. Happy, happy to. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time I saw him before he deployed, which is why it was such a stressful time. That's mm. right. So now you're in a completely different environment. You're established. You have a house together. Mm-hmm 
dude, yeah, we bought a townhouse like almost three years ago. You're so grown up. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm really uncomfortable. Um, with In what everything. way? Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I've been dealing with this a lot in therapy. What's been on my mind is therapy, mental health. Great. I've had the privilege to be able to like sink deep into mental health treatment the last year. Okay. Um, and I've been dealing a lot with this like sense of guilt um, of just like having my needs met. Hmm. Like I can pay all my bills. I don't really have to think about it that much. I can have food in my house. I own my own house. Like I have a great marriage. I have my sweet little kitties. Mm -hmm. um, and is this and guilt coming from this wasn't how you were raised? And so it's just looking at my family and seeing how secure I am versus how insecure everybody that I love is to a certain degree. And the insecurity, knowing that just what my family grew up with and like, this, like, why me? Hmm. Why not hmm. them? Why me? Why do I get all of this benefit? And then my therapist always tells me, uh, you know, you've done things to get to this point, right? Like it didn't just happen. And right. I'm like, yeah, but like, that doesn't count. <laughs> hmm. None of my accomplishments matter, no matter how hard I worked. That's wow. interesting. Right. Yeah. I definitely identify with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of leads us into our next question of what do you love about how your brain works and what do you find is challenging mm -hmm. about how your brain works, whether that's the thoughts you continue to go to, or, you know, I don't know the first time someone described to me that your brain has actual grooves. And when you have the same thought over and over again, you're deepening. Yeah. Those grooves. Yeah. And, and so to change neural pathways. And to change these habits, like you have to actively train your thoughts and your brain to go against what's literally, literally the grain ingrained in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I same. I think that's so fascinating. And that comes up if you're used to having those guilt driven thoughts that comes up with eating disorder things all the time, you retraining your brain to go, well, I'm, am I worthy? Like it's a mm -hmm. constant mm -hmm. battle up there. And that guilt thing, that's huge. Dude, so, that's what my dietitian is always telling me whenever I'm like, this thought keeps coming up. And she's like, and what thought can we use to replace that? And I'm like, stop asking me that. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> I don't know. But, no. Um, yeah, retraining your brain. I've started doing these like stupid hand exercises to retrain like neural pathways doing these weird things like helps to adjust how your brain works and like it gets easier and easier over time <laughs> that's yeah. tricky so i'm trying to use like physical work to try and do that too because there's just so many horrible thought patterns i've had like i don't actually hate myself i kind of like myself i'm pretty cool with myself lately mm. um but for so long i've been so self-critical and it still comes up but do you think that self-critical is what has driven you to go, okay, that accomplishment wasn't enough, that accomplishment, you know, constantly trying to almost one-up yourself, was. you know? That's how I got a master's degree by the time I turned 24. Wow. I was like, well, if I can do that, anybody can do that, so I'll do the next thing. And then every time I achieve something, it becomes less impressive because hmm. I did it. Interesting. But if you saw someone else doing it, you I'm would like, be I'm like, that's amazing, but... As soon as I'm like, 
can't be that hard if I could do it. No matter how much work I put into something. Did you find that was a hindrance when it came to performing specifically? Mm. Yes. <laughs> the second I started psyching myself out like that, because I never did that when I was like a teenager, when I really like got super into theater and performance. Um, it wasn't until PCPA that I started having that tr- like the opposite of a laugh track going in my mind. What do you think triggered that? Um, Being pigeonholed, I had never been so like aware of my differences until that time. Um, Not that I'm like wildly different from anybody, but I just started realizing that uh, I got this feeling that there was only so much I could do as an Mm. actor. Like I could only be the villain because of my bone structure. I could only be the and because I'm tall or I could only be like the mom or I could only be uh like the vixen because like we just decide Latin women are all hypersexual and uh, I don't know I started to classify myself and then that was when my eating disorder went like full swing too oh god okay okay and that was compartmentalized with you know us being put into types and labels and all of that and then the the um understudying we were always you and I were similar that we were always understudying these older women because they needed someone to understudy them and we have students we're 19 (laughs) I know I don't even know how to do age makeup (laughs) (laughs) and you're surrounded by a bunch of young white girls yeah and so that's a huge and it's like, like very clear who is preferred. Mm. No offense, but it's very clear like who yeah. is, you know, expected to be on a stage. I don't know. It started becoming super clear to me then and I kept trying so hard to like fit. Mm. And so I would like, you know, we would have those like whatever 3-hour long ballet classes and then I would still go to the gym for at least an hour mm. after that. I was only eating like 1200 calories a day, trying to like get to that ideal look. Keeping cardio logs. Does anybody like oh. realize how fucked up that was? So fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, faked like, it. Ev- I lied. I everybody lied except me. Oh, <laughs> I did them God. constantly because I like what I love about my brain is that I can be a little naive and I like completely commit to things and don't really look for the bad and so I was like I have to do these of course I do I could never lie I should have fucking lied it wasn't good for me yeah so then what made you want to go to Cornish what made you go okay I want to expand on my artistic identity if you were already starting to feel this claustrophobia and and I I'm asking you that because I did a similar thing with well, I don't know myself, but let's go and continue my education at Utah State. And that's when my eating disorder really mm. revved the fuck up. So I'm just interested. I feel like there's parallels, not, you know, it's not the same experience, but I'm just interested. But probably very similar. Right. Um, I felt like I had to. I felt like there was no other choice. I was like, I'm halfway to this degree. There's two places I can go to finish it with efficiency. Like I can be done Mm -hmm. in two years. There's nowhere else I can go where I'll be done that quickly. Um, Camden was already stationed up here at Fort Lewis. So I didn't know that. Okay. So he, although he got out of the army before I graduated. So he actually moved to Santa Maria for a couple months. Um, But it just, I don't know. I felt like I had to. And even when I was there, I like kind of already knew, like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like this Mm. isn't it for me, but I was like too deep. Is that what, 
so when you say you feel like you had to, why? Yeah, like, for who? For who, for what Yeah, reason? It's the, like, I feel like this is, like, very black and white eating disorder brain where it's, like, mm. I have to get something out of something. Like, it doesn't count unless I'm getting this end goal like it doesn't matter if I work out if I'm not doing it every day so that I can reach this goal it doesn't matter if I ate that salad once if I'm not going to do that every single day so that I can reach this idealistic perfection so it doesn't Mm. matter that I went to school for two years unless I get that degree at the end Mm -hmm. of it wow that's up. I I'm can't stop nodding my head. My head's gonna like <laughs> yeah. come off of its own because I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You feel Absolutely. the same way, Shannon? I do. And and I'm not, I don't regret my time at Utah State. I don't regret getting a degree. I it, that's not it, I'm not gonna live in a place of regret, but it was that weird obligation. And it is that all or nothing thing with eating disorder brains that you don't realize it bleeds into others, everything else. Everything. But I it's it's that well, I, and it's that oh well, I ate, I ate you know, a breakfast sandwich from Dunkin' Donuts. So I guess the rest of the day is shot. So, you know, it's like, what yes. kind of thinking is that? That's fu- okay. And same thing. Well, I didn't wake up and do yoga before work today. So I guess I just won't try for the rest of the week. Cause I won't. Cause I already missed I this one day. I already failed. Oh God. How draining is that? Just saying and it out it loud. Spirals, Dude, it's right? exhausting. And it gets into every single thing you do. How do you think mm. I ended up married so fast? It was like, okay, so we're either going to do this now or never because you're leaving black or white one choice wow. or the other. Like we couldn't just date. <laughs> like we couldn't just stay together. Like we had to get the law involved. <laughs> Nine times out of 10, let's get the law, law involved. involved. Yeah. Always. Wow. So when yeah. did you start to feel you yourself? This is a word we keep, this phrase keeps coming up, but this idea of your artistic identity, you know, at age, whatever you define yourself, I'm an actor or I'm a singer or I'm a dancer. When, when you were at Cornish, did you start to go, I don't, I, those parentheses are starting to feel, whoa, <laughs> to yeah. open I didn't, up. like connect with any of my classmates. I had a handful of friends from there, but I didn't really like, I was expecting like the PCPA experience where I made this family and that just didn't happen there. And so I felt like I was forcing myself into the, all of these spaces, all of these creative experiences. And I didn't like mesh with any of it. And I kind of just like lost myself. I'm like, what do I really do? I was getting this degree in acting, but I'm definitely a musical theater performer. Like I know I have a voice, but I went acting and there's this whole group of students who are doing original works and working on directing and, mm-hmm. and playwriting. And I don't know, it just felt like there was no space. Um, and I don't know, I had started to reflect just kind of on the industry in general. I'm pretty loud about this on the internet. Um, just about how like exclusionary and I already said pigeonholed, but like just the black and white, the black it's and toxic. white disorder brain fits right into the theater world because you're either this or that. You either look this way or you don't. You're either the ingenue or the fat mom or <laughs> the vixen. Like there's no, you can't be a dynamic person. And I was just so frustrated with all of these experiences I had auditioning and like being in theaters and seeing all of these major flaws that I kind of realized that I could either just experience it and keep going and auditioning and like, you know, reaching whatever level of success, but I just couldn't put up with that. So I decided 
that that had to change. Was this prior to, because this started to come to like the social consciousness during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and with the racial injustice, again, coming to social consciousness, not that it hasn't been happening for 400 years, but (laughs) were these flaws in the system, things you were seeing prior to the pandemic? Yeah, this was when I was still at Cornish and this is what made me want to go to grad school. Okay. So I found the arts leadership program at Seattle University. Um, It's a terminal degree. There's no like PhD after this, which like really frustrates me because I just want to call myself doctor. I was going to say you'll make a great doctor. I know. (laughs) A medical doctor. I'm going to be a surgeon. Um, Surgeon of the arts. Yeah. I'm I'm still... (laughs) dissect the the bullshit that it's uh, I'll dissect the patriarchy yeah it's so infuriating though because what draws us to the theater and our first lessons in Stanislavski and all of the theory is that life imitates art art imitates life humans are complex you can be a fat mom that's a vixen what the fuck but that's not reflected in any of the words it's all like you said cut so Oh, so boring. Yeah, life imitates art for sure. um, But we also have to allow the life that's being imitated to rise to the surface. And when the people who are controlling what's being shown on TV, on stages, whatever, look a certain way and come from a certain background, those are the stories that we're going to see because they don't have the experience to tell the other ones. They don't want to let in other people to take more of that power away to tell those stories. And frankly, it just makes them uncomfortable. So that leads you to going, so how can I change the spaces and who's led Mm -hmm. into them? So you find this, this, not this terminal degree, (laughs) this terminal degree, my master of fine arts, um and I'm still thoroughly unimpressed with the fact that I got a master's degree I'm like I don't need to like say that to people like it's just is it something that Camden celebrates though is it something oh god yes he's like brags about me all the time he thinks I'm so much cooler than I think I am he's always bragging about me I'm like can we be humble please he has a totally (laughs) like healthy relationship with himself and like self-worth and sees himself as this like amazing guy that he is and then anytime he talks about me I'm like okay can we just like tone it down we need some self-deprecation salted in here because otherwise people are gonna think I think I'm too good uh which is something I don't I mean he's a straight white dude so I just don't think that's something he's like instructed as growing up I feel like that's pretty I don't know I experienced the same thing I can't tell you how many times I look at Tim and I'm like how is it so easy not that he doesn't this is not that he doesn't work hard but how is it so easy for you to be content to be to find that to be like to have yeah to know that you can do it like you mm -hmm. don't question that you can do it you're like I'm just gonna do this thing right I I relate to that and I feel like I, I don't know maybe I didn't always have this same sense of like yeah that self having to throw in that self deprecation and just trying to minimize myself I I don't think I always had that I don't know where it started yeah but I don't know how to get out of it we're working on it it's like a sense of what you're capable of Mm -hmm. and he believes he's capable of so much more and he believes I am capable of so much more than I think I am so like Mm -hmm. some of these things I know I would have never done without his push like I don't think I would have gone to grad school if he wasn't like no we can do this we can afford this like we're gonna make this happen if I wasn't married to him like I I don't think I would have gone I would have been too scared to take the risk Hmm. I feel the same way 
with Tim about so many things and we constantly go back and forth about it. Like I probably wouldn't have done this podcast if it weren't for him helping and like encouraging. We're just harder on ourselves and we see the best in the people we love. And it's not always easy to see that, that best in yourself, but it's nice yeah. that we have people, Shannon too, that we have like good, I mean, all Shan. Shan. Thanks for bringing me in. I don't feel like a fifth wheel in this conversation. No, no, I was just going <laughs> to say, I feel like, I, I so love that you both have incredibly supportive partners. My partner that is are you, that, Shannon. That are that voice for you. And then it make, it's making me reflect on when you're a single person, you have to like be both of those voices that's, and it's hard. It's dude, a, it's that's a tough. conversation. Yeah have with yourself <laughs> it is um, I, I always that. think about my mom with that because when my parents divorced she stayed single she's still single she's just been like doing living her life she like goes to crossfit and fucking mm. and, like living her best life and I talked to her about it all the time and she's like I, just, I don't want anybody in my fucking house like <laughs> I'm happy I'm fine and I'm like that's great yeah do you mom like I can't even imagine her having a dude in her life. I'm like, where would that guy even fit? Like, she's just, <laughs> she has this whole full rich life. And I'm like, good luck trying to get in there. Like, <laughs> good luck. It's good great. luck. So it, you can be happy in any way. Absolutely. I just, I'm so lucky that like my rash 19 year old decision worked out. Yeah. Insane. Look yeah. at you in a townhouse. <laughs> I love our house. We're so close. We're like, if I walk five minutes down the road, technically we're in Seattle. Okay. All right. But we got like, right. We're like right on the edge of the city. I I think of like the Bay Area and like getting into, I don't know, San Jose before it got super expensive. Okay. Like the city's bleeding out and it hasn't quite gotten to the point of like the Bay yet, but it's Mm -hmm. like on its way. I'm like, this place is going to be worth so much fucking money. (laughs) I hope. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? The world could fall out from under us like it did. So what about Seattle in terms of now that are you, you're done with your degree or you're still in school? Yeah, I graduated in 2018. Oh, shit. Uh, so it was a while ago. Um, and I did my thesis on how to start your own theater company. Actually, I tried to do it on a different topic first. I wanted to talk about... Um, racial bias and casting and so I reached out to all of these like theater professionals in my network and people that I know leaders and I was like are you willing to talk about this so that like I want to gather data and Mm -hmm. and opinions and just like have this open discussion one person that's horrible what were you expecting I assumed that all of these people that like I still connect with still to this day that I still connect with um, and support their work and who have supported my work in the past would have like got at least half of them. But I maybe was being a little too optimistic. This is my like thinking everything is going to be great mind. Um, Yeah, I just assumed more people would reach out or not even reach out, respond. Now, do you feel in the like the temperature of 2020 if you had sent it out mm-hmm. this year everyone would be banging down your door to mm-hmm. do a person oh. of color <laughs> table uh-huh. read and uh yeah all I thought about when things got like really hot last summer was all of these people who ignored me two three years ago suddenly posting about how aware they are and how they want the world to be better and they're doing the work and they care and all this stuff and I'm like your actions you only care when the world is on fire 
Hmm. So I was, I was trying really hard back then to like do all this work. And I like really the thought I got in my head was like, I need to be the artistic director of a theater. If I want to see these seasons change, if I want to see like from the top down, making it a more inclusive place, making auditions, not so fucking hostile half the time. Like, yeah. so that's, that's a joy the goal someday to okay. actually get there. Um, but for now I'm doing everything I can to try and like build that experience. So I work in sales, barf. The theater <laughs> version of sales is fundraising and development. You're kind of doing the same thing. Like you're selling people on the theater, on the mission and trying to get them to, to donate their money and That's build those much... relationships. So in my mind, the way to get to that artistic directorship is to get in through the fundraising aspect. So I'm trying to build practical sales skills because I think they're transferable. Yeah. And then in my free time, I'm actually the board president of Renton Civic Theater. And so I'm doing all their fundraising. That's so cool. <laughs> we're literally a, over here like, that's awesome. Perfect example of you being like, well, my accomplishments, where I'm going, this is incredible. Of course, <laughs> so your cool. smart brain is going, okay, well, sales goes up, but uh, like that, that's so- You're keeping your head down of like, just checking the, but dude, that's <laughs> incredible. What a feat. I raised like $35,000 last year for this little theater, which in the grand scheme of like these huge houses I want to work at is like so small. But for this little theater, it's kind of cool. Because um, we've been closed for like a year and have been making like online content and stuff and trying to like keep it going. But pat myself on the back. I think What's that's What's the name of the cool. theater again? Will you say Renton the name? Renton Civic Theater. Okay. We have a donate button on our website somebody vandalized the front of the building so Ew. please help <laughs> oh no it's a really cute little like 1920s it was actually a movie theater turned into a th like proscenium theater uh at one point it was actually like an adult film house hey and so we have like all these articles on the walls about people like protesting and shit <gasps> before it was a theater but it's this little like art deco building and it's all intact wow like the original like <laughs> tiling outside and it's so cute Ugh, I love that place but yeah we're staying alive it's cool so I feel like someday all of that will build into like this career I want in the arts as an arts administrator and an arts leader which is also why I'm taking this fundraising course uh, it's like self-paced for 10 weeks Okay. This is just, it's everything we've been talking about because allowing your idea of your artistic identity to evolve mm -hmm. and go, okay, I'm still passionate about the arts, but it doesn't have to be in the same capacity mm -hmm. that it began in. And I can actually do more, make more of a difference in a different capacity rather than just being frustrated that I'm not booking, that I'm not this, that I'm pushing against all the things that are frustrating about this career, then going, why can't I just change them? Why can't I put my energy towards that yeah I had so much guilt about like stepping away from acting because it was this idea of like that means I failed like mm. if I'm not doing it that means I'm not a creative person I'm not an artist I'm not doing those things even though I still like act in the summers at this theater you know if I get into a show and like letting myself keep that creative person identity even though like I sold my soul to the healthcare industry for a while <laughs> um but like you know you can be an artist and a creator or creative person and not do it full time like I learned how to crochet a few weeks ago and I have like a stack of all these little squares in my closet okay that's creative that is 
I mean, it's useless, but hey, it's art. Like you're making something. You don't have to be an expert to be creative. I love this that. is exactly the the kind of thing we were looking to talk Which about. Which applies man. to everybody else and not me, though. So. <laughs> oh, of course. Exactly. <laughs> of course, right? Like that's true for everybody else, but not me. Not unless I'm no, I'm yeah. So that that kind of leads we've been asking our guests, you know, what piece of advice would you give to your create your past creative self your younger creative Ugh. self whatever age you know it doesn't have to be a specific age but oh man if I could go back to like PCPA me I'd be like dude it's okay to eat mm. you should eat eat when you're hungry yeah. that's what I would tell that version of myself but the like the most anxious version of myself I think was me applying for schools and not thinking I was good enough to get in to anywhere and now looking back realizing like no they kind of need you more than you need them and that's a powerful position to be in absolutely um, I don't know I wish I could just like the lame like it's gonna be okay but more than that to be like you deserve this and you are just as good if not better than you think you are which sounds kind of arrogant but it's, but it's not it's the message I needed when I was a kid and didn't think I was was good enough to get anywhere. Like you're good enough. We saw you're your better work. than good enough. Oh, like, yeah, so we sorry. did. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry that you saw that. It was it was your work. Was oh, ugly. oh, hell no, dude. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I yes. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Self-deprecation joke. <laughs> I was kidding. No, I. I look back at all of that time. There was one time I had pneumonia and I still had to come into class to do a final scene. And I was lauded for coming in. Like, look, her commitment to the work. Like, and that was amazing. No, and I look no. back at that and I'm like, that was actually, my opinion, my worst work because I was exhausted and could barely speak above a whisper. And I perhaps just looked so defeated and dejected. It worked at that moment. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm so over this whole like sacrificing yourself your well-being whether that be physical mental for the work and mm -hmm. that that also just applies to like everything outside it's of manipulative. art it it's is manipulative and it's especially manipulative for like when we were in our late teens early 20s mm -hmm. thinking we didn't deserve to be in the room kind of being mm -hmm. told we didn't deserve to be there and that we were just lucky that we were let in <laughs> and it's honestly it's just gaslighting us into further burning ourselves out because God, we were even lucky to be breathing the same air yeah that's exactly it wow that's exactly it yeah yeah mm -hmm. number one it's not conducive to good art right <laughs> at all so like fuck on off with that but like hello not conducive to development especially at that age mm -hmm. look at us now self-deprecating queens like it's like I, all I have in there is a walnut just tiny little <laughs> brain it couldn't grow <laughs> but we were so we were lucky enough to have that group of what you know dwindled down to 19 people that oh yeah <laughs> we're lost a lot of people well we were supposed to look at that as like a sense of pride that well we're the ones who made it when we should have been looking at that as this can be so toxic and harmful mm. that a third of the people just could not live with this could not yeah. handle it for whatever reason mm -hmm. like that should have been alarming but I just huh. at least for me I just didn't know better 
to to really look at that through that lens yeah absolutely not it is well on that depressing note i think we're gonna take a little breaky break yeah game for you oh my god i haven't played this since i was 11 oh i love mash mashmaker we both do too (laughs) (laughs) which is why it's in our podcast because we're basically 11 year olds um so you know how to play mash uh but let me remind you and our listeners and our listeners so MASH stands for mansion, apartment, shack, house. That's our first category. Um, Our next one, our next category will be partner, followed by children, which is followed by career. And finally, we have mode of transportation. So first, I'm going to start drawing a spiral, and you're just going to tell me when to stop, okay? Wow. Stop. <laughs> I wanted to see if you would like run out of paper. I almost did. That was our longest you know. spiral to date. <laughs> Do I get long. an award for that or yes, it's a, it, a it, bag of Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> 3D. That that got jacked. Oh, no. Damn. Camden. He came up two flights of stairs just to take a bag of Doritos from <laughs> Honestly, me. I don't blame him. She was talking about earlier she saw like a, a food cart or something, or was it just like a pop-up for Krispy Kreme? Yeah. Ooh. And she beelined. She used that word earlier. So I I'm did. Thinking. I beelined across a crowd of people in the World Trade Center <laughs> like during rush hour to get two dozen. <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts. Buy one, get one. They were having a sale. And it was buy one, get a box free. That's big. And I brought this massive Krispy Kreme bag home and Tim went, God damn it. (laughs) What are you going to do with this? It's just the two of us and our dog. And I was like, no, what? She's like, well, Shannon's coming over later. Yeah, I did. I did. I was like, it's fine. (laughs) All right. So now that I've counted that massive spiral and I have our magic number, (laughs) um, uh, we're going to do our first category. So for partners, I'm going to need you to choose four options. Let's make them celebrities. Oh, I should have thought this through. Okay. Celebrities. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. I might be too intimidated, actually, if it ended up being her. <laughs> <laughs> she would be the one proposing. Yeah, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. She, yeah, please. I don't yeah. think I could. She would give an incredible performance, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Charlie Hunnam. God, I don't I know. Him. who. Wait, who's Charlie Hunnam? He's a guy from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait, look him up. Oh, he's cute. Everybody makes fun of me. All of my male celebrity crushes are just tall, blonde, white dudes. Basically, Camden. Yeah, anytime (laughs) I talk with my friends about, like, our celebrity crushes, they're like, that just, I I don't see anybody besides Camden there. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably, that's probably actually a good sign. If you were to list off a bunch of people that were a very different type, you'd be like, well, maybe we, yeah. (laughs) Okay, fine. Then I'm going to list someone a very different type. Let's do it. All right. Idris Elba. Mm. 
again, probably too intimidated. He is, uh, he knows what he does, the effect he has on women, right? I love him in the office. And you and I That's both why have I that in common. I quoted him. I know. <laughs> we both we both have that in common. We both have the same pillow that says Dwight, the, the you ignorant Dwight. slut. Yeah. I also have I have don't look at my couch. Um I have a lot of stupid pillows, but one of them is just Jeff Goldblum smiling. <laughs> it's always behind my head and I never think about it. And then I FaceTime people and they're like, excuse me, is that Jeff Goldblum? And then I'll be like, No, that's my dad. oh can i pick jeff gold yes i was just gonna say he has to be your he's a frequent flyer on our (laughs) yeah this is not the first time should be honestly i love life finds a way (laughs) (laughs) it's my jurassic park jeff goldblum impression it was spot on yeah it was spot on i watched some interview with him not that long ago and someone said something to him some news he didn't know about and his face he was like shocked and he goes i'm crestfallen (laughs) and i was like crestfallen what a juicy word now i keep saying and i'm never serious because how can you seriously say crestfallen but i'm crestfallen i'm crestfallen wow jeff goldblum Goldblum. i don't think i've ever heard that before that word (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) all right moving on um uh kids number Um, number of kids we could switch it up though do you want certain people to be your kids (laughs) 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 i mean why not (laughs) two four six eight oh i like that we appreciate i like even that's what we appreciate yeah thank goodness that's what animals are for Mm-hmm. um two My four six eight pee everywhere already i don't need children doing it too oh, okay man. so yeah career is next let's have four options oh okay um i mean artistic director of a theater let's go big or go home we'll, we'll include one i'm gonna call it a realistic option because it's gonna happen yes um to you know what my favorite job I've ever had that I would totally keep doing if I could make the amount of money I have now is being a tour guide what were you a tour guide of I of the city of Seattle that was my first job when I moved here I was a tour guide on a like an open-air trolley in the summers that sounds like so much fun it was so much fun I loved that job and when we would get in traffic and be stuck and I'd run out of content I would just start singing and then people would like tip me so much money it was the best how long were the tours oh yeah what was your question no I was (laughs) (laughs) okay move it along no I was just gonna ask what's the duration of the time that you were yeah (laughs) (laughs) how many how many sites were seen Mm. yeah so it was like a two-hour loop or it was supposed to be a two-hour loop but sometimes traffic would make it longer and so we would have all these stops that people would like wait at to get picked up and then go to like the next place when in reality now i'm like you could just walk to all those places like why are you wasting money but it was super fun um and so it was like a two-hour loop and i would do it from like 8 a.m to 6 p.m uh that's a really long that's day. a really long <laughs> day. that's a really long day um 
and I didn't mind. It was so fun, and I made great tips, and I would come home with, like, literally hundreds of dollars in ones and just, like, throw them at Camden, and yeah, you would. What were your go-to songs that you sang? Oh, dude, so they call us, like, the Emerald City, so I would always sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Really got people jazzed. Oh, what a treat. Uh, For our listeners who don't know Sarah, Sarah has the most fucking gorgeous voice. Velvety. It's so good. I miss hearing it. I miss oh, your voice. Oh, shucks. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Especially with the list. Oh. Shucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, shucks. shucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I, miss, I miss singing, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, two more jobs. We two said. more jobs. Okay. Being so rich that I don't have to work. <sighs> A trust rich. fund adult. Yeah. Trust fund, trust fund adult. I love yeah. that. There's got to be not, a I'll call that a job. I'd be doing other work, like, I don't know, self-help. <laughs> That'd be nice. Doing the work. The work. The work. <laughs> now the work means two different things. It's doing theater work and doing the work of trying to unracist yourself after you make a public apology for saying something horrible. That's accurate. <laughs> Unracist yourself. <laughs> if I have to see another notes app apology from a celebrity, I'm just oh, gonna delete Jesus. all of my accounts. A notes a app. No- <laughs> lack of <laughs> just fucking lack of effort. Oh, fuck. Can't even. Shit. I'm being held accountable for my actions. It's probably I just know what I did wrong and I'm gonna do the work. <laughs> to learn better oh, and let me send this to pr real quick so they can approve it oh Number one four. more job one more dream job dream job no um, limits no prerequisites no resumes you walk in you get it just like my own personal like next door to my house a constantly running production of wicked where i'm alphaba Yes. And I'm never sick, and I always get to be Alphaba. Oh, incredible. Great. I don't care if anybody comes. It's just always going, and I get paid a reasonable Perpetual mm-hmm. Alphaba. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Theoretically, I could make that real and just, like, go outside and paint myself green and do it all day. <laughs> I would pay really good money that I don't I mean, have to see that. I work from home, so technically nobody would know if I was doing that or not, right? I think your neighbor needs the exposure. Yeah. <laughs> he, he can be my drummer offbeat. <laughs> All right. So we have partner kids career. Finally, we're on mode of transportation. You're going to pick three and our girl, Ol Shan is going to pick the fourth. It's locked and loaded. Yeah, I got okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, what if I pick the same one as you? Oh, I really doubt it. But let's <laughs> <laughs> um, A unicycle. Ooh. I just feel like I could be good at that if I tried. And if it was my only option, I'd get there. <laughs> I feel like that's a good life motive. motive too. I feel like that's my only option. I'd have to get good at it. So I would. Uh, what else? Um, a motorized scooter. Not like a sitting scooter, like the ones you can rent in the city and like, yeah. Oh, like a, that's big right now. That's really big. That people coming into the barber shop, going, where can I store this? They free. I'm like, I can tuck it, so no one's gonna trip over it. Can I charge my scooter? That's a big thing these days. And I, my joke that sometimes goes over. I go, I'll try not to ride it in the shop. And sometimes, <laughs> uh, 
same thing if people ask, can you put like, can I store my food in the fridge? Yeah, I'll try not to eat it while you're getting your haircut. People, I was like, <laughs> people go into a salon and ask to put their food in the fridge. Yeah, we have it an eatily nearby, which is like this big old restaurant slash marketplace for Italian things. And so the rich white folks of Flatiron are like, I just bought fresh spaghetti. Could you store it? I would say, no, fuck off. I don't think Hold I it would in your ever. lap and shut up. <laughs> I can't imagine ever walking into a salon and being like, could I impose upon you for a refrigerator? That's just not something that would ever enter my mind me neither yeah. you're a good person <laughs> <laughs> third mode of transportation third mode of transportation um let's see unicycle motorized scooter uh pogo stick mm-hmm. that's another thing i never got good at and like if it was my only option i'd get good at it in circus class what was the thing that you were good at that you weren't surprised you were going to be good at that i wasn't surprised i was going to be good at that you were surprised i guess oh Sorry. uh the tight wire Ooh, I was that, so pumped. I was like, actually, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. I really liked the bongo board. I was terrified of it. Oh, and then yes. I loved it. I made one. Me and Danielle made I remember. them. Yeah. And I broke it. And I've been, I have one on my Amazon list, a bongo board. I'm like hesitating to get, I don't know why I'm hesitating. They're so fun. They're so There's- fun kind of meditative too. They are meditative. Yeah. And it's a I great always- practice for snowboarding. Oh. Really? I've never been snowboarding. Have you? Oh. Yeah, Camden forced me to learn a couple years ago. It was brutal. He's a terrible teacher. <laughs> um, but I figured it out. It's crazy. You don't think about the knowledge we've gained of like describing how your body's moving to like learn a new thing. Hmm. And that's not some like something you get if you don't like do dance or like physical movement type things if that's just not a part of your life like that language doesn't come naturally hmm. so I mean I've got my feet strapped to a board and he's like just get up and I'm like <laughs> how can you please explain to me how I'm supposed to get up <laughs> and he's like just do it see look I did it and oh. that was what all of learning at a snowboard was like like just go why are you falling <laughs> yikes <laughs> so bad yeah, I hear it's really difficult. It's-, it's worse when someone's just yelling at you to go. Um, go. We figured it out. It's fine. But if you want to learn how to snowboard, start on the bongo board. Super helpful. That's Super good to know. For our snowboarding listeners yeah, who really. are nervous about starting. I'm <laughs> always nervous that I'm going to hurt my knees. Dude, what makes me angry about snowboarding, I mean, I've definitely hurt my knees. But what's frustrating is I'm actually like decent. I'm a good snowboarder. Nobody makes snowboarding gear or winter gear for plus size women, unless it's like cheap garbage. Like none oh of the God. major brands make anything past like an XL. Cause why would oh, a plus size woman want a snowboard? Right. That's where their brain goes. How could you possibly be doing anything other than laying around eating Twinkies if you're <laughs> above a size six? <laughs> it's infuriating. <laughs> infuriating. Yeah. yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. So I have to buy the men's clothes. And hope that the hips aren't narrow. I told Sierra this when we were like just getting started with the podcast, but like I've gained back all of the weight that I in my eating disorder like lost. And now I've pretty much gained back to when I was about my heaviest when y'all met me at PCPA. And I told her like pandem, you know, included was, was an influence in that. And like being active is not 
my mode of stress relief. Whereas mm-hmm. some people grew like where it's in, it's intrinsically in their body, either they did soccer since they were little, mm-hmm. or they've just been trained that that is what they do. That is not my go-to. I enjoy once I am being active, I like being active, but I don't, that's not my first thing. I like if food is my comfort, TV is my comfort. And so I told her, I feel like I'm getting a second chance at being fat again, because the first time around (laughs) I was the body. I mean, the body dysmorphia is still there, but I was, I had was so disconnected from what I looked like and felt like. And now there's this like renewed sense of like owning my fatness and it's wild. So dude, I'm having like the opposite. I'm like newly fat. Like I was always like, on the like larger size of like straight sized just because I'm a curvy person mm-hmm. but looking at the body dysmorphia of like back then when I I was skinny I had no idea like I saw this picture back when we were at PCPA I got my belly button pierced and I rem- I took a picture and before I got it done I was like no I said I was gonna lose 30 pounds before I did this like I would earn this what thing I wanted to do to my body and then I could do it and then I looked at that picture. I'm like, from where, where could I pot? Like I would have to chop off a leg. There was yeah. nowhere to lose anything from. And now I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm what I think the, like, um, the like fat community calls like small fat. There's like, okay. there's like levels uh, for like fat activism. And I'm considered like small fat where I still have the privileges of having a desirable like shape. Oh, this is some, this is a term I didn't know. Okay. This is good to know. Oh yeah. I, whole thing I've been learning about, we're totally ruining mash right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's like this whole, um, just like, I don't know, not fat empowerment, but like trying to dismantle fat phobia. And so like, there's these levels of fatness and like you, you certain ones come with certain privileges. So whereas I'm like at the bottom, I'd say of like plus sli- plus size, but bigger than I've ever been and realizing all of these things that affect people in ways that I never even thought about. And like the fat phobic thoughts I've had before, like the world is not built or accessible for people over a certain size, like planes, for example, I now am like big enough that my legs are kind of like cutting into the armrests mm. and planes are always uncomfortable, but like any bigger than I am. And it's almost like, hazardous or not even hazardous just like infinitely useless like you cannot do certain things you can't sit in certain movie theater chairs I love this like change to movie theater recliners because everybody can sit in a fucking recliner and not a broken seat but like theaters too are not accessible for larger bodied people mostly like they're all old houses that have all these small chairs, but there's no reason not to replace that. But we're just packing people in as tight as we can. Um, yeah. Yeah. I listened to that podcast. That's what, that's oh, what yeah. That's what I was getting. But she mentions that South by Southwest is the best of all the airlines because they will refund you if you're a fat person and need to purchase another seat, a second seat to be able to sit comfortably. They will refund you for that second seat. All other airlines will go if there's another ch- if there's another seat available then we'll give it to you, but it's not guaranteed. So there's or they'll just panic. kick you off the flight. If they really? determine if you, if the flight attendant decides that you look uncomfortable, they will remove you from the flight. But that's discrimination. <laughs> that's like, oh yeah. And people don't see it that way because like, it's the whole like diet culture world we live in, which is like, I feel like 
the great and powerful Oz got the curtain ripped back and now I just see diet culture in everything. But it's that diet culture world where we feel comfortable instructing people on how their bodies should look and be. And especially when it's regarding people in fat bodies. Absolutely. Which I never experienced until I started like getting chubby and now everybody feels like they can comment on it. Anyway, that podcast Mm -hmm. we were talking about, Maintenance Phase by... Who are the podcasters? Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs. They're amazing. Phenomenal. I'll send you that, that, this episode, is good to that episode. I was listening to it on the way up here. Uh, this last mode of transportation to really circle it back, <laughs> I think is great for all bodies. Uh, it is, it's going to be perfect for you. Uh, I would love for you to own a solar powered jet ski for your transportation needs thoughts solar power so you'd have to charge it up but i feel like you're in seattle there's some water right is there i've never been there's yeah so puget sound there's a lot of waterways however you're neglecting the major thing about seattle and that's the lack of sun Uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's do it anyway we've made the noise I am <laughs> no it's good I have a solar powered like light outside and it turns on every night so clearly there's enough sun for there's something enough. okay well um, better be enough and, for your jet ski to work <laughs> well you know what I've only ridden a jet ski once or I should say I've only piloted a jet ski once I thought it would be more like a bicycle it is not uh, <laughs> not require as much movement and I kept falling off um so if it's my only option, I'll get really good at it. Honestly, I look really cool. I like the idea of me like zooming by on a jet ski. Especially if you're going to Alphaba, like, you know. Like, oh, Bruh. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All yeah. green <laughs> with your yeah. big Alphaba We can hat. do Wicked on Water. Oh, <gasps> that's, hey. Sierra's going to tally up your results right now. Okay, uh, good luck. It's going to take a while with <laughs> that number. So, so you said you remember playing this, your last one, you were 11. Was this like, would you play it at school? Would you play it at slumber parties? What was like the most normal time? Okay. For sure. Um, definitely did it at slumber parties though. Or like just being a little sneaky asshole. If we had like a sub in class, I'd be like in the back of the room with my friends, like quietly playing mash on our notebooks and then putting all the boys in the class as our, our future husbands and then bullying each other based on whether or not it was a cool kid or not. Absolutely. It really was like a power dynamic thing. It was really stressful. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember in like, it was around the time that I was like really into MASH and I was like 11. There were four boys in the sixth grade that were like the boys to date. And by date, we mean hold hands for two weeks and then break up. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'd really give for at this point in COVID. (laughs) That would be fine with me. Just a two week hand hold. Just some physical contact. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. Okay, so it was like the dateable boys. Yes, and so they were always the boys on our mash list. These these four boys who, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was already five foot six, and so I was like five inches taller than all of them at least. But in real life, I dated three out of the four, and I was very proud of myself. And then the fourth one that I didn't date mooned me, so I kind of got something out of all of them. <laughs> I broke up with one of them because I thought he had a weird thumb, you know. What about the thumb was odd for you? Nothing valid. Okay. Okay. It was just a thumb, but I needed a reason so I could date the next boy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As one does when they're 11. Isn't mooning such an odd 
gesture. It's it's well, I feel like wrong for even having the memory in my brain because I'm like, no, that's a child. I'm an adult. (laughs) That's a child's booty. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think about it. He was forced to write apology letters to all of us, and I distinctly remember it because I read it so many times and laughed. I had it for years, (laughs) and it was like. I apologize for pulling down my pants and showing you my buttocks. <laughs> I had it for a long time. Honestly, it might still be in my mother's garage for all I know. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Sarah, your results are in. <laughs> are you ready? This is what your future will look like. Okay. I've never been more ready for anything in my life. All right, buckle up. You're going to be living in a shack with your partner, Charlie Hunnam. So again, basically Camden. <laughs> basically, okay. So my current life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you are gonna have eight kids. Oof, in a shack, man. Comfy. We're going to be really outdoorsy. Uh, they're gonna learn how to grow our food, sleep mm-hmm. under the stars. I can see it. Well, don't worry though because you will be a trust fund adult. So like you will be living in a shack, but you can pay for But like, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a lifestyle. And it's if basically you basically have- glamping, it's basically <laughs> glamping. And if you have all that money, you can just like hire 10 nannies to take care of it. That's a thing in New York, by the way, people don't just hire one nanny, which to me is already like, like a good, you know, do you, but like already I'm like, wow, that's takes money. People Hire multiple nannies. Yes. We had um, three different children's cuts at the barber shop on one day and three different nannies came in for the three different children. And I went, wait a second. Hold on. And the last they nanny each was- get their own. They sure yeah. do. Yeah. They sure do. It was bizarre. Bizarre. I get it. Like if I was ever in a point where I could hire multiple nannies to do all my shit for me, yeah. do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. If you have the money, why not? The nannies aren't complaining. They they love those babies they love the babies i mean we're speaking general terms but (laughs) most of the time a lot of the times they've been with the family since they were you know since they were little yeah i mean i get it i i babysit i'm not like one of those nannies that listen like i get it yeah i get it gets recertified every year no um so (laughs) all of that to say that was getting to you will be traveling around on a solar powered jet so our shack is on the lake we have a waterfront view Mm -hmm. okay and because you are a trust fund adult like you have enough money to get baby those like maybe i was gonna say probably eight more yeah Yeah, and and they're solar powered so like you could just buy those vitamin d lights to charge up if it's a really especially dark day on uh at seattle on uh (laughs) on a on a pubic and it's you Seattle. could do like a cute, there you, you, go. Know, you know what you're talking about. Like Clearly. a cute Sons of Anarchy, you know, <gasps> jet ski for him. I feel like there's something. <laughs> All of our say. life jackets will be like the leather, like yeah. cuts that they wear. And it'll yeah. say like Sons of Sarah. <gasps> they're eight boys. They're all boys. Eight boys. <laughs> <They're> all boys. <laughs> My sister has three boys aged four, five, and eight next week. Wow. Yeah. So Damn. eight boys, I think I would just uh let the jet ski run out of battery and slowly <laughs> sink into the water sarah you're gonna be a great mother <laughs> <laughs> hey uh sarah thanks so much for making mash with us <laughs> we'll be right back <laughs>
to know uh, if you have any creative endeavors you'd like to share or if you'd like mm. to share something that's resonated with you recently. So whether that be a song or a poem or a passage from something. So for the last year, I have been in eating disorder treatment for like the first three months of it. I was actually like partially hospitalized and was like in intensive treatment and then like graduated through levels of care. And now I'm like a fully functioning person who can just eat food and it's not a big deal. Um, And through that, I kind of got like reconnected with being creative in a different way, like writing a lot, drawing, which isn't something I ever considered myself to be good at. And so everything I've been doing creatively, I've been like keeping it as mine. I just have all these notebooks and like my surface here with like drawings and things and like letting it still be valid that I'm a creative person and not giving it away to anybody and not Mm -hmm. monetizing it at all and still being that person. So everything I'm making right now is just mine Mm. or physical things I'm making. Like I I knit a little mug cozy for for my Nina Mary and I'm just like making things for people and like giving things as gifts and keeping things for myself. Does the weight feel when you're creating, does it make the actual act of creating feel less pressureful, obligated, all of that? Yeah, it. I don't feel like I have to have an end result or a product. I can just like do things. And it. I would say I am relatively mediocre at 90% of my creative endeavors. And then Perfect. the things I've studied, I'm really good at. Um, but yeah, so all of my, my creative stuff has just been mine. I consider fundraising to be its own form of creativity though. So I'm still doing that too, but yeah, everything's been pretty private. And since I've been in so much eating disorder treatment, I've been reading a lot of books, both. I, I didn't realize how much of my mind was taken up by eating disorder thoughts. And now that that's not really the case, I just have like all of this free time and space to like do things. And I've just been devouring books. So I've been reading a lot of fantasy novels, some like mystery stuff, but the really impactful things have been um, the like anti-diet kind of stuff that I've been reading. So a really important book that came out during all of my treatment was uh, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. She also has a podcast called Food Psych. um, And oh, it's just amazing, like the work that she does. But I mean, and her book is full of so many good quotes. But the new like thing I've found to be like passionate activist about is like not body positivity, but body acceptance and letting people live as they are. So I'll share a quote from her book. Uh, I could share a lot of quotes from her book, uh, but this one, it's these days diet culture pushes the narrative that the reason we stigmatize larger bodies is because higher weight causes in quotations, poor health. In reality, though, fat bodies were deemed uncivilized and therefore undesirable long before the medical and scientific communities began to label them a health risk around the turn of the 20th century. Fat phobic beliefs predated health arguments. In fact, through the end of the 19th century, as for most of human history, doctors held that larger bodies were healthier. Anyone who wanted to pursue weight loss had to go up against the medical establishment. Like the history of how we police fat people is so much more nuanced than people realize. It hasn't always been this war on obesity. And the like the BMI scale is complete bullshit. It was created by like a mathematician astronomer 
to just kind of try and like classify people and was only measuring white European bodies. And we base like our entire medical system and recommendations for treatment on that fucked up scale that doesn't even take into account like half the population on the planet, but we hold everybody to that standard. So Christy Harrison is amazing. Anti-diet, her book like changed my life and my perception. Also The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Going back to the BMI thing, I'm just remembering like being when gyms were a thing. I mean, I know they're a thing now. I don't feel comfortable being in a gym uh, right now. I think it's a Petri dish. And, uh, (laughs) but when I was going to the gym, uh, I remember one of the, you know, how they just have like personal trainers about like almost scouting for new clients. And the guy who, who came over and asked if I needed help on X, Y, or Z, the first thing he looked at was my BMI. And I remember it was the same thing at whatever that gym was in Santa Maria. In that was shape. like in shape. We right all name. went. We sure yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like the first thing they asked there. And that, you know, those, those markers that just make you feel unworthy uh, and unhealthy when, you know, it's just not the case. Um, going back to what you're saying about how much brain space takes the eating disorder takes up I saw a visual recently yeah it's like that iceberg idea but how much of the thoughts are eating disorder based and then it's like okay my job my family my friend all of that Mm -hmm. is barely touched on because you're you're consumed just Uh, thinking about what I look like every single thing that I'm eating like and when people try to like concern troll you after you gain weight, like, well, I just want you to be healthy. Or I don't see you get, I had a coworker recently say, you know, I was like, oh no, I've definitely gained weight. I'm not denying that, but no, you have, I don't, well, I don't need you to. It's <laughs> not a me. bad, it, it, like, <laughs> you don't have to, on it's not your business. Body. Don't comment on people's bodies. Like, oh my God, you look like you lost weight. Not a compliment. I could have had somebody in my family die and I'm super depressed and not eating. I could just be in an active eating disorder. I could be fucking sick and not able to control my weight. Honestly, we can't control our weight anyway. It's like something like 98% of diets fail and you gain back more than you lost to begin with. Not that gaining back more weight is wrong, but if that makes constant dieters feel scared enough to stop dieting, I'll say it anyway. What was the percentage on, on the, uh, maintenance report maintenance phase phase maintenance phase. They say 68% of American women are above the size 14, mm-hmm. 68% of women. Yeah. That blew my mind. That yeah. blew my mind. Cause I'm just in my body going, well, I'm the, you know, I'm the only one that's going up sizes, sizes, sizes. And which is just not true. And unfortunately still it's because of what's being portrayed in the media and in, in especially towards women. It's like dieting will solve all your problems. Go on this diet, just enter ketosis, whatever the hell that means. (laughs) I mean, like if you love your keto diet and you know, whatever works for you, like you do you boo boo, but like, be careful. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for sharing. This gave us a lot to think about. It did. Yeah. This sounds like I'm getting kicked out of an audition room. You a gave lot us to think a about. lot to think about. It's like restructuring Ew. the character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Where would you uh, like to be found? <laughs> I should say. Oh, where? You have a PO box. Rock. Um, <laughs> here's my home address. Um, please <laughs> come visit anytime. No warning. Check. Um, Twitter. You can find me at previously lingo. 
briefly, I briefly went viral for a number of stupid things, um, but most importantly, criticizing the theater industry. So you might actually be able to find me. Um, so yeah, you can find me being really annoying on Twitter or on uh, Instagram, Mrs. Sarah Ballin. Or Renton Civic Theater. Go donate us money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, this was lovely. Thank you so much for catching yeah, up. Yeah, I thanks for letting us. you guys. Miss you too. Thanks for letting us storm that brain of yours. Yeah, it's already doing it itself. Yeah. <laughs> nice to share the brain. <laughs> thank you to our guests for answering the question, what's been storming your brain? A big old thank you to our technical producer, Tim Fuchs, for our funky theme song with Chris Agar on bass and Louis Danuzzi on trombone. Thank you to Ellie Stovall-Brown for our rock and cover art and to all you listeners for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next time for a few more ha-has and a lot less wah-wahs. And follow us on Instagram at Brainstorming the Podcast. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the brain. brain.